Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Just one point win, and that's kind of the same taste that was in my mouth that was uh, there after the Gonzaga game. It's like, oh, that was a really good resume-building game that was kind of right there in front of you, but so close yet. Hey, close doesn't get you... uh, a nice C bump in the tournament on the selection committee. So, yeah, I know. I think that's a good way of comparing it to the Gonzaga game because those those two games and actually most of Michigan State's losses this year, other than the the Notre Dame and Northwestern game, like they have a different feel than in previous years. Yeah, um, it's gonna probably sound like a moral victory kind of a stance, but I like I think this year's team when they lose, you kind of. You feel bad for them. You're not yeah. mad at them. It's it's kind of a, a different sort of a, a feel that the team has. And again, at the end of the day, the the bottom line is going to be the same as the last two years, where they're not going to be hanging any banners uh, for the regular season, most likely. Yeah. Most likely, um, the Big Ten's a mess, so you never know. And um, you're going to hope for a run in Indy, and you're, you're going to hope for a run um, in the Big Dance, but. It's not sort of any sort of a front runner kind of a season where they're leading from wire to wire or, or competing. So I know it's three straight years of that, and that probably shouldn't happen at Michigan State. But to me, this is a much different season than the last two. And when they lose, when they win, it's just um, a style of basketball that you kind of feel proud if you're a Spartan fan that that's the kind of group representing you. Yeah, and you can still take a lot of good things away from both games. Well, especially right. the Purdue game. I'll say the obvious one, a guy by the name of Tyson Walker. Mm, I heard of him. 30-piece. I mean, just a casual 30-back. That is his career, MSU career high. Not his actual career high, but an MSU career high in points. So, yeah, tough to look at that game and, you know, not feel encouraged that. Okay, maybe Michigan State really does have the best two guards in the Big Ten between yeah. Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard. Ogard, you know, 34 combined points over the Illinois and Purdue game. And also, too, what we love to see in the Purdue game. And I know, you know, I'm just doing moral victory theater right now. Um, but look, Michigan State down 24-11, okay? They don't mm-hmm. have Malik Hall. <laughs> Things are, vibes are incredibly right. harsh right now. A.J. Hogard, Tyson Walker, all they do, little 9-1 run. They make the game 25-20. to Carson Cooper adds his layup. He had some good minutes as well. And then right before halftime... Bang, Tyson Walker, three, assisted by A.J. Hogard. So they score 12, no, sorry, 12 of Michigan State's last 14 points mm. right there. Sorry, doing the math in my head on the fly. So they took Jesus. it under their control and, you know, again, too little, but because it, what happened at the start of the game, what Izzo said, yeah. we didn't lose that game at the end. We lost that in the first five minutes. So, But, hey, yeah. guards responded really well when the going was yeah, really there's, tough. There, there's so many guys that are showing grit this year that mm. in, the, in the past didn't or, or weren't here. And, um, like, like the, the season where Aaron Henry by himself got Michigan yeah, State right. to, the, to the big dance, mostly it was just him. There were games here and there where somebody else would step up. But, sure. like, in, in these games, it's like one game it's just Joey Hauser, silent assassin, yep. carrying you offensively. Maybe a day where he's off, but he's getting rebounds. Um, you have somebody else doing the scoring. Maybe it's AJ driving to the lane. Maybe it's Tyson Walker that day. Malik, when he's healthy on defense, being sort of a, a floor general kind of guy. So yep. it's just, um, like I said already, it's just a very different feel and a feel that you kind of take pride in, despite the losses if you're a fan. So I think... Um, 
they're going to keep us entertained. They're going to keep us entertained all season long, no matter what. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. And look, big game coming up on Thursday, which we're going to get to in a hot second here. But hey, I mean, the games weren't the only big news in basketball. Uh, Malik Hall's foot Mm. and any x-ray or scan done to his foot is definitely at the top of everyone's mind Mm. at Michigan State. And what a saga this has been in less (laughs) than a week. Like after the Illinois game, it's like, okay, well, okay. Yeah, he's hurt, but he's not in a walking boot. He might be okay. Pretty soon, and right. then okay, right before the Purdue game, it's like uh, actually they they just sawed his foot clean off the ankle. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, but he doesn't even have the foot anymore. And then here you are, right here. Uh, Izzo sat down with Audrey Dahlgren at the MSU FCU coaches show, and right there said that hey, he's out of the walking boot, expects to miss a couple of weeks. He spoke to the media later on in that same day and said it's not gonna be one week. It might be two, probably three. We'll see. So if it is three weeks, that's six more games he will be missing. But the the, the gauntlet of the stretch is starting to simmer down just a right. little bit. And I say that very lightly because yeah. at the end of the day, it's still the Big Ten and every night's going to be crazy. But at least you have you know three days of rest in between games, not two days of rest. So... Yeah, it's going to be an important six-game stretch. I mean, that goes without saying. Right. I, I think um, you make a great point, and even this game that we're going to talk about here soon, like, there's pretty much most of these games are winnable for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. And um, if you probably would have told me last week, maybe two weeks ago, that, hey, Malik Hall's going to miss these next four games where you were looking at Michigan and Illinois and, and Wisconsin and, and um, Purdue – I, I probably would have said no. I don't think most of those are winnable. Maybe the Michigan game without Malik Hall, I mean. But these next few with without Malik Hall, I, I think that, that those are winnable, especially with what they showed us mm-hmm. without him against Purdue. You have um, a lot of guys that have versatility in the backcourt to guard positions one through three for the most part, especially Jaden Akins. Plays bigger than his height. Really, the issue comes in is when Joey Hauser needs a break yeah, right. or if it's a mismatch at the four defensively for Joey Hauser, is Pierre Brooks ready to play some of Malik Hall's minutes? That's the biggest question mark. Uh, based on the last two games, I don't know if anyone on the bench is really necessarily right. ready for that because, uh, look, Illinois game, bench points, three of them. Okay. Mm. And against Purdue, hey, you got one more. You got four points right there. So, no, you can't replace Malik Hall, of course. And yeah. it, it, I mean, that's what makes like the transfer portal thing interesting. Like, obviously, Izzo didn't do a lot this offseason. Mm-hmm. And by not a lot, I mean absolutely nothing in the transfer portal. And people like me have cried up and down about it. But then again, it's like, are, are you really going to find a guy that just is a plug-in for Malik Hall there? And not even, you know, stylistic play-wise, you know, just the way he plays, his physically imposing presence, getting work done on the post. Like, sure, you could find those guys every once in a while, but can you just find the leadership and the calmness that Izzo's right. talked about, too? Right. Like, not really. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm conflicted of just how to and, even handle that part and, of the and, and the biggest takeaway I had from Izzo's efforts in the portal with the forwards, Jalen Bridges and Micah Parrish, yep. was that even if you do find somebody like Malik Hall, um, maybe not leadership-wise, but that kind of an on-court efficiency sort of a player, if you do find someone like that, they're not coming here because Malik Hall is here. Yeah. So someone like Jalen Bridges, if he's not getting a guaranteed 30 minutes when he sits down with Coach Izzo in the offseason and is thinking about his transfer destination, if he's not getting that guarantee, he's going elsewhere. So that's kind of what happened there, kind of what happened with Micah Parrish. So you're right, very, very interesting predicament because here you have a bona fide starter, but are you going to convince someone to come in, play behind him, who's actually good enough to play in spot of him? I don't know. It's hard. 
It's hard. It's hard to replace this guy. And so with the six games left, Justin, it, 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 this is a fluid situation. Obviously, God, Lord knows right. that we've seen it with Josh Langford, how yeah. crazy the reports of him coming back and not coming back where I, feet are just not fun to deal with, yeah. obviously. But let's, you know, hypothetically, let's say it is six games. It right. is the three weeks that uh, Malik Hall will miss in addition to the two games they already missed. Okay, you got two road games. Purdue. Right. Indiana. Indiana's this weekend, obviously. And then mm-hmm. the neutral court game, neutral court, Madison Square Garden against Rutgers. Then home game against, okay, Rutgers, Iowa, Maryland. Justin, if I slid you a contract right now and said, hey, if you sign this, you can go 3-3 three and three in that stretch, would you take it? Or are you going to run the gamble of maybe even going better than 3-3 three and three in that stretch without one Malik Hall? Because 3-3 three and three doesn't sound too bad to me. And I know that might be loser talk, but... Um, I would really love to just see any guaranteed wins after the last two games. So if if that, if that I, makes me a loser, then I'm a I, loser, but I'm a happy one. So I can see I can see that being the case. If I were to set the over under on how many wins I think they could get, yeah. I would say that three and a half. Yeah, um, it's right there. If if the game against Rutgers was at at the rack, no shot. I wouldn't even watch. Jor- Jordan's yeah. Bulls aren't beating Rutgers at the rack. <laughs> no shot. No. And um. Now it's at the Madison Square Garden, as you said. Yep. So I, I view that as a toss-up. Rutgers is a very good team. It's not just a fluky sort of a Kinnick Stadium no. advantage, no. even though they do have some haunted um, elements there, oh, I yeah. believe. There's voodoo magic. There is, no for doubt. sure. No but doubt. Um, yeah, beyond that, they're a good team. So I'm not going to take them lightly. I think it's probably a toss-up. Um, at Purdue, uh, mm, I think, Matt, you've followed Michigan State basketball a lot in recent years, and you know how that usually goes. Uh, you're talking about never <laughs> winning at a place? I, zero recollection of Michigan State. Yeah. Even keeping it within 10 points right. in, in West right. Lafayette. So uh, I'm looking at a toss-up against Rutgers. I'm looking at a loss for sure against Purdue. Other than that, I guess maybe I get at Indiana they may not be favored, even though personally I think I, it'll be like a three-point spread that they'll be underdogs, which three right. points is like, look, they were three points against right. Purdue. They were four points actually against Purdue. And right. So, close so basically I'm calling Rutgers and at Indiana toss-ups. I'm counting Purdue as a loss, and then the rest of them I'm considering winnable games. I don't hate that. So I can see four and two there. Okay. But if you said, hey, you can get three and three without Malik Hall, you can tread water, he comes back in, in March, yeah. late February, I can see the logic of taking that. I'll take, I, yeah, I mean, stay tuned. Obviously, we'll revisit this in three weeks and see yeah. how the stretch is either. Hey, we're going to be really happy talking about the last three weeks of Michigan State basketball, or I will just be drinking on camera, um, <laughs> hacking a cigarette. Who knows? <laughs> we'll, we'll see where the next three weeks take us. But, hey, next just, three weeks Just starts. every single Ben Affleck meme. Every, si- every single one. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I could feel it. But, uh, hey, you know what? This, this stretch Continue. I guess it continues. You know, he did, you know, miss the Illinois game. Or it's a right. st- late stretch in the Illinois game. Missed the Purdue game. The stretch continues with Thursday's showdown, mm. 630, Fox Sports 1 at the Breslin Center. I want someone to hold me. I'm going to be honest. Uh, look, I, I'll, I'll give the bad stats right now. The stats that should make us a little scared for this MSU versus Rutgers game. Are you, are you ready, Justin? Yes. Give me scary stats. This is not a fluke team. They play lockdown defense. They put you in Rikers Island. It is nasty. Third nationally in defensive efficiency. Their turnover percentage on defense is 24.2%. That is 12th best in the country. Their opponent three-point percentage, 28.2. Yes, they take great shooting teams, and they make them look like me out there. Just <laughs> absolutely laying up bricks. That is 13th best in the country. Their two-point field goal percentage for opposition 43.8. That's 15th best in the country. But, Justin, I got a good stat for you right here. Okay. I need a good stat. Their effective field goal percentage 
Rutgers on offense, that is. 48.2%. That is 272nd in the country. So, yes, uh, Rutgers doesn't really have much of an offensive game to be scared about, but this boy. Is, this is perfect. We're going to get a 37-34 to 34 win. <laughs> It's going to be nasty. It's going to look like an MMA fight on a basketball court. Real basketball. They're about yes. to be getting it out of the yes. mud. That, like, no. As we, oh, as we talk about last episode, let's these go. are the kind of games. Like, If Tony Bennett's not watching this at 2 a.m. after mm. his own game, He's taking notes of yeah. how he can bring the score down to the MSU Rutgers game in his own games, it's not real basketball. No. No, it's phony basketball. But no, like this is going to be such a contentious game, especially with you – know, it's, it's, maybe it's not – desperation because like look it, it is going to be january 19th i don't know if you can call any game on january 19th a must win game but might be for another program in the state hmm eastern's not doing too well that experiment's not going well is that that maybe, must be who you're talking yeah, about maybe D- dj's program's kind of turning it around yeah. recently hey, there good we go. win over eastern central got a win against a power five team earlier this year i believe I so it was, but, but you wouldn't be able to tell that because their guys are going on podcasts and celebrating quickly after. yeah that's <laughs> I couldn't keep a straight face after that one. <laughs> um, oh man, what, what was I, oh, what was it? What was I talking about? This, you were talking uh, about something related to uh, getting it out the mud. Oh, January nineteenth, uh, make oh, a break. Oh yeah, games. There, there's no must-win game. I just, <laughs> th- yeah, see, this is the professional. I just lose my train of thought just that quickly. Um, there is no must-win game on January nineteenth, but I feel like MSU can kind of maybe feel that their backs are maybe a little against the wall. I, I think it'd be different if Malik Hall was fine, healthy. You lose these two games with him because. Look, Michigan State is a good team with him, but yeah, knowing that you do have to tread water for three weeks, and this is one of these toss-up games that we just talked about. Like, yeah, you want to get off the Schneid here, break this two-game losing streak. Whether it is for you know Big Ten regular season title hopes, which I'm sure the team still believes that they have, or if it's just for fans that are freaking out like myself and just want to see a W in the worst way possible, like. Yeah, it, it might be a little bit of desperation time, which yeah. could help the team. I Who knows? We're going to find yeah. out tomorrow night. We alluded to him earlier, but Pierre Brooks has an opportunity here yeah. where he can either make himself a mainstay in the program for the next few years or um, maybe um, the the program tries to get Malik Hall to come back next year. And uh, obviously Xavier Booker's coming in at the four, and, and you don't yep. know what, what that might lead to. But I think there's a, he's at a crossroads right now. He has an opportunity in front of him. And um, obviously we hope that he seizes it and he starts to go off and, and plays like we know he can in some, in some instances. So he's going to be the X factor these next three weeks. Um, I don't think there's any question about that. With everyone else, we pretty much know what we're going to get in terms of the first maybe six guys in the rotation. Um, he's, he's kind of that wild card. And somebody else who, who's not going to directly impact um, replacing Malik Hall, but just someone that's coming along recently. Uh, you, you mentioned him earlier. Carson Cooper. Just uh, Yeah. Some promising developments there, Matt. What do you think? Playing some good ball. <laughs> I mean, no question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that he was maybe the best center in these last two games. And that's not to say, like, Mahdi was just horrible out there. But, no, like, Carson Cooper showed a lot of things, too, in the last few games that we haven't seen from him early in the year. And I'm that's just talking about, like, being steady with his hands, you know, grabbing the rebound, mm. coming down with it, putting it right back up, being steady in transition, catching the ball through the lane. Like, he showed a little bit of a package here. And I got to say, like, this is not what was supposed to happen right. at all this year with Carson Cooper. Heck, him playing, I don't think, was even really the right. plan. He was supposed to come here, learn the game, get a little more cooked. You know, you're a little raw right now, kid. Let, let's put you on the grill for a year, and mm-hmm. then you'll come here next year. But, no, oh it turns out that you have to play yeah. a center when Muddy needs a break. So right. he's been, you know, nothing 
short of, of a surprise, especially in the last few games. So, yeah, one time for Carson Cooper here, man. I mean, look, I'm not calling him Wilt Chamberlain or anything, but compared to where his expectations were going into the year, I mean, heck, even a month ago, yeah, he's taking big strides. Yeah, I would say so. It's very promising. I think um, him being a true freshman and, and showing these signs and having the measurables that he has, which are not teachable, and no. some of the athleticism that is uh, a positive development that I didn't know he had in the early early months of the season, he has a bright future here. Yeah, I think um, he's going to be one of those guys that you see that other programs have sometimes, the Wisconsins of the world, yep. that you have those guys. They're not ranked anywhere high. I don't think anyone's ever ranked this low. This is just an absolute steal by Coach Izzo. But you kind of get the point of outside of the top 150, they come in, they're tall, they take their time, they develop slowly, but eventually they're solid, they're fundamentally sound, they know how to use their measurables. Yep. And I think uh, Carson Cooper's going to be solid here for, for a long time and just a great job by, by Coach Izzo. I think, like you were saying, he, he probably was the best center in the last couple games. Um, I think... Mahdi has some some high highs, but he also has some low lows. Um, he's not making a lot of progress in terms of having, I guess, foul awareness. I know some sure. of them are not his fault when he's getting yeah. flung around by the arm, but in other cases, he just needs to wall up and stay there. I don't I don't understand why he's not just just planning and, and having a strong base and going straight up. He's but I think uh, at the end of the day. Carson Cooper is going to have way more freshman mistakes than, yeah. than we have seen in the last couple of weeks. It's not going to be smooth sailing, but I would like to see him get pretty much all the center minutes that um, Mari Suzuko is not eating up unless it's a very, very favorable physical matchup for Jackson Kohler. I, I think yeah. those are the two centers, uh, Mari and, and uh, Carson, that should be getting most of the run there. I, I just want to shout out Mari's toughness, too. I mean, I know this isn't on the box score or anything like this that. Is true. We could all recognize this the last few games. I mean, the guy's been playing with stitches in his eye. Yeah. And those stitches were given to him mid-game. Like, please, yeah. if, if I get a cut above my eye during a basketball game, Justin, you won't hear from me for the next two weeks. <laughs> like, I mean, this guy was right back on the court. And now on Monday, he has to face this, like, fictional character of a man who's 7.5 just trying his best out there. But, like, yeah. uh, just get to We almost spent the whole episode without mentioning his name, which was my goal. But well, Zach uh, Eady. Yeah, we, we tried our best. Hey, good game yeah. from the guy. You know what? Credit where credit's due. I mean, we'll, that's, that's, we'll, we'll see what it translates to at the next level. We'll see. I know, but unfortunately, he's making an account right now. This is true. That's all that matters. Being a great college player is still being a great college player at the end of the day. But. I know. Well, and like, God, just poor Maddie's just literally, yeah. literally getting tossed around the court guarding, guarding yeah. Zach Eady. But hey, tough, tough guy. And, and I, I do need to give him credit as well for having a very high motor. Um, he's always sure. oh, yeah. hustling. Yeah. Always hustling. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. may get beat because he's not kind of angling himself right between him and the basket. But after he gets beat, he's going to make every effort to recover and try to get yeah. the block. And. Um, I, I know I said that, that he has made some mistakes at sometimes, but like I was saying as well, he, he shows some flashes that you can see why Izzo believes in him and why he, he, he kind of doubled down on him being his guy at center this year. Yeah. So um, can't complain about the way he, he represents himself in the program in, in any way, shape, or form. No question. And I think that's a good thing to put a bow on for, yeah. for basketball talk. But hey, ready for the segue? You're yes, ready? yes. Speaking of tough guys with high motors, hey, what sport does that remind you of? Does it remind you of hockey? Justin, that's right. We're going to the ice rink here for our Spartan Dog mm. of the Week. Last week, A.J. Hogarth after right. some solid performances, but oh, oh, strap up the ice skates. We're going to Mon Ice Arena. Arena. I don't know how you say it. People get very upset at me for how I say that word, but anyway, <laughs> enough of me. Let's talk about Jagger Joshua here for Michigan State. Those icy Spartans, 
hosted number five Penn State over the weekend at Munn. And, well, okay, well, all that uh, Mr. Joshua did was, well, okay, I'm just going to score a goal in the first game. Mm. That's right, erase a two-goal deficit in an overtime win against Penn State. And then, oh, you, you want me to do that again? I'll do you three better the next day. He got his second hat-trick of the season on Saturday in a win against number five, Penn State. Mm. Um, we're going to stop Hockey Talk right now because this is a tease. Owen's got some more for us at the end mm. of this show. But Jagger Joshua, that's right, second ever Spartan Dog of the Week yeah. here. Uh, actually, you know what, one more stat for him. He's at 18 points on the season. And I was talking with Brad LaPlante of the Red Cedar Radar podcast yesterday great hockey uh, coverage guy for Spartans Illustrated, and he said, he mentioned this, that last year, Jagger Joshua, just eight points on the season. Now he's wow. already at 18. I mean, so, yeah, you talk about an explosion of a year for him. Yeah. An explosion of a weekend, so Jagger Joshua. Nice work, young man. Right. And speaking of Owen, he's told me to remind the viewers that make sure if you have any questions, you're dropping them in the YouTube chat. We'll be taking them at the end of the episode, and um, that's something we're probably going to do every episode, so always if you're watching just feel free to drop any questions you have and we'll try to get to them at the end of the episode for sure but um kind of switching gears again here matt to another sport that um i'm sure is on the forefront of everyone's mind just because it's become a 12 month sort of a season yep and that is the the michigan state football program and uh mal tucker did an interview with uh, jack ebling uh recently i think last week and if if you're not aware the the drive with jack which is jack ebling's show uh, he does a great job kind of getting uh, coaches and, and players and recruits and everybody to kind of just go in depth and, and have yeah. um, a unique perspective that they provide. And in this, this interview, Coach Tucker kind of was a little more open and um, less coach speak in his answers than yeah. he would in front of usual media, I would say. Yeah. And uh, one of the most interesting things that I found in the article, we, we'll, we'll kind of discuss this uh, after I read it, read the quotes a little bit, but essentially... Coach Tucker acknowledged the injuries that existed last year, and he basically said, um, if he had to describe the 2022 season in one word, he said, and I quote, injuries, for me, are the first thing that came to mind. And I don't mean it as using injuries as an excuse, because there's no, that's not what we do here. But it's been a long time since I've seen injuries play such a huge factor from such an early part of the season. So that's the first thing that pops into my mind. Because it does matter who's on the field, obviously. So, fair, fair assessment. Uh, yeah, uh, like yeah. I, I'm, I'm gonna regurgitate what Mel just said. Like, yeah, I hate using excuses and everything, but okay, eventually, when you're losing three of your four starting defensive linemen, when you lose Darius Snow yeah. almost immediately to start the season, Ronald Williams missed a big chunk, and oh yeah, Xavier Henderson too missed a big chunk. Like. It, Sometimes they're not excuses, but they're just reasons. Yeah, it's a very uncomfortable, you know, talking point to maneuver around. Yeah. It's a fine line between reasons and excuses, but, like, okay, call spade a spade here. Yeah, so in regards to fixing this issue... Uh, which is ideal if you have such a such a huge. I'm problem. into that. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> sure. Cool to <laughs> <Why> hear. <not? laughs> um, I, I won't read this uh, word for word because it's a pretty lengthy quote. But you can go ahead and, and see the article that I tweeted out yesterday in, in regards to this. But essentially, Mal Tucker's plan, which he's consulted with Rod Scott, who's a new trainer that Michigan State hired just before the start of the season last year. Uh, who, so meaning he didn't get to enact this plan last year in spring camp because he wasn't here back then. But him, Rod Scott, who spent 16 years in the NFL, their whole staff, uh, they all came together, and they decided they're going to shift more towards an NFL OTA model. 
and um, off-season training activities is what that stands for. But what that means is they will probably be very, very intentional and calculated in the amount of contact that they um, put their players through. And it's going to be a lot of science-based decision-making. And what you've seen in the NFL recently, um, my, my team, the Eagles, I kind of got to see this up close because everyone was basically looking at them like they were crazy this past offseason. The NFL allows a certain amount of contact practices in OTAs. Gotcha. The Eagles opted to use 33% of the allowable contact periods. A few years ago, not that long ago, Teams are complaining about not having enough days of contact practices to practice fundamentals. Interesting. Okay. So now this is a drastic shift that the NFL has started. Seven teams were of the Eagles variety where they did not use all of the allocated uh, contact days. Um, no, no one as few as the Eagles. But again, sticking with this example uh, of this team, the Eagles had zero starters get injured up until week 12. Yeah. They enter next week's divisional round game with one injury to a starter. Oh, man. This is obviously wow. not enough of a sample size. This is uh, Injuries are still luck-based, especially yeah. injuries to the bone. But there's a lot of science backing this up in the NFL. Now, the drawback from, from reporters that cover the NFL and follow the, the landscape much closer than I do is typically in weeks one and two, there's a lot of missed tackles from these teams. So that may be a drawback. But personally for me, Matt, I'd rather have Darius Snow miss a few extra tackles against the Mac team in the first couple weeks than him miss the season. Uh, what is your thought on this whole thing? I, I was just going to say, like, that, that is why one pushback, too. And I, I didn't know if this was some, you know, idiot on a bar stool uh, looking at the TV being like, oh, they're just not tackling because they're not practicing hard enough. <sighs> thought. I remember at the end of last year, the last three weeks, like, there were an uptick in missed tackles, and what we found out eventually, too, is like it, we're not doing a lot of contact at our practices anymore because everyone's dead. Like, <laughs> we, we got like six guys that are healthy enough to practice. So it became clear that, okay, maybe that there was a correlation there. However, just like you said, um, I also remember last spring, too, mm. and Michigan State couldn't even do their spring game because they weren't right. healthy enough for that. So, yes, I'm all aboard trying anything different just to make it through a spring healthy, an actual football season healthy. How right. many else would that be? That's unimaginable for Michigan State fans as of late. Like, I'll do anything. Like, if, if Mel wants to make a, a potion that he heard about from some <laughs> witch and give that a shot, I'd be all aboard on it. Or, you know, just the more sensible thing of limiting yeah. contact and doing the NFL model. Yeah. Those are great great points about the right. Philadelphia Eagles. I had no idea. So I was on board to begin with just reading these quotes, but after hearing all that, sign me up. Right. Yeah, I'll take yeah. I'll take two missed tackles against Richmond. Right. Um, and and yeah. even even if someone is not convinced with the NFL angle where this has been tried and tested by um, a, a decent portion of the league, let's say the NFL doesn't know what they're talking about, the, the medical sure. behind this, they don't know what they're talking about. At the end of the day, if you're practicing the fundamentals behind tackling instead of actually making contact, that is still more than you're getting than if those guys are sitting on the grass in a cast. Yeah. So you're still yeah. the, the fundamental-based um, method that, that Tucker's talking about instead of actually inducing blows is, is still going to be more than they got most of last year because the guys were literally sitting injured as opposed to practicing on dummies or practicing however they're going to do it. So. At the end of the day, I still think it's just a no-brainer that, that they need to at least try this one time. Do do anything. And even when yeah. they do practice, wrap them in bubble wrap for all I care. I, I, <laughs> I, you, you won't hear any slander from me if you guys do that. Just be, please be just a little healthy. Yeah, so I'll read, I'll read one final quote here from, from this. But um, Coach Tucker says, 
we're going to spend a lot of time on technique you know blow delivery and tackle technique so we can keep guys off the ground and keep guys safer we're still analyzing and evaluating the injuries that we had last year yeah. to see if there's any trends there or if we can do anything to mitigate that so i'm not sure what the spring is going to look like exactly but it will definitely be different so just you can see his approach right there of what we're going to do differently how we came to this decision from analysis and data from last year's injuries and just kind of what the reasoning is. So I think that was that was a great part of that interview, personally, that I that I took away from. Isn't Jack Ebley the legend? Yeah. I mean, th- th- like, this guy's a pro to begin with, but the fact that he can squeeze quotes like this out of Mel Tucker, <laughs> like, I, yeah, what, what more evidence do you need that Jack Ebley's just yeah. the man? You know, I mean, yeah. look at him go. A lot more quotes that Jack Ebley got from Mel Tucker. Oh, we're not done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Next segment, same exact sort of um, um, origin from, from where we got this content from. So Mel Tucker talked about the defensive line coaching vacancy with uh, Jack Ebling and uh, basically Mel was telling Jack that um, there's no name he can provide at this point but he is working every day on it he said he worked on it the day of the interview itself and um, Mel basically gave Jack a synopsis of what he's looking for in a defensive line coach and it's going to be someone that can recruit obviously that's Mel Tucker's forte but Mel also said that someone that likes to spend a lot of time with with young athletes, someone that um, enjoys being a teacher, someone that enjoys being a mentor. So it's someone that you're not just going to plug and play here from the NFL, never coached in college sort of thing. So he's he's very being very intentional about those guys uh, getting nurturing and coaching. Um, but also he said someone that's drama free because he believes that is how he would describe his current staff. No okay. one cares about credit. No one cares about any sort of uh, power dynamics uh, in, in terms of the assistant coaches. So those are some of the personality traits that he wants out of his new coach. And he also mentioned NFL experience as a plus coaching or as a player, because either way that person would know how to get kids to the next level. So those are some of the, some of the qualities he pointed to, to Jack and I know some of the names that, that come to mind immediately. Kevin Vickerson, the, yep. the internal option there. Uh, he's a guy that has that NFL experience. He obviously enjoys nurturing young athletes. And um, he's someone that I think would be qualified for the role, but it, it, you have to do your due diligence and look externally. Not a lot of names externally. You hear a couple. Um, you hear Chris Wilson, former Eagles defensive line coach. You hear um, a couple other ones that have already been crossed off and confirmed. Um, Paul Pascaloni. Was was mentioned Paul P. Paul P. I don't hate that actually. And I don't hate uh, that. that's experience. We're not entirely sure what capacity. Maybe that's sort of as an analyst. Maybe if if Vickerson gets the job, you pair him as an analyst. That's not confirmed. Just names floating around. Not enough to speak about any external candidates with confidence. But Matt, that's the lay of the land with yeah. where the D line coaching vacancy is. What are you thinking right now as we're about week and a half um, into the process? Yeah, like it's the obvious name too with, with Kevin Vickerson is the first on everyone's mind probably, right? And for good reason, you know, like he is that good balance of, you know, being that young, energetic guy, you know, 40 years old, but also a lot of experience as well. The guy only spent 10 years in the NFL. Mm. I mean, played eight seasons in those 10 years. So yeah, that guy has experience and he knows the ups, you know, of, you know, playing for long seasons in the NFL. He knows the downs of going training camp to training camp, mm-hmm. getting cut, getting re-signed. So a lot of life lessons for these kids as well, just off the field and on the field too. You're not floating around the NFL for 10 years by mistake. Like this guy might know what he's doing. Mm. Now to ping pong it back off the field too. 
We got a Detroit guy too. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he's a Detroit Martin Luther King product, I believe. And yes, while recruiting's national under Mel Tucker, still nice to have a little bit of a foothold close to home in Detroit. So yeah, I mean, that's going to be the name on top of everyone's mind. He's already in the program. He's got a great uh, resume behind him. But the fact that he hasn't been hired yet, just you know, like you said, yeah. shows that they are doing their due diligence right. and you know making this count. This isn't just yeah. you know, a free handout. Like, hey, yeah, you're already here. You already got a parking spot. <laughs> yeah, fine it's over there yeah like, no you get 10 spots for assistant yeah. coaches you make every single one of these counts so yeah. thorough thorough homework by mel yeah. tucker we, we saw how that method that you described went for davo sweeney this past year uh with with replacing venables and tony elliott but that is neither here nor there um i agree with uh everything you said about vickerson i would say that um in in terms of the national recruiting angle there uh, myself, Corey Robinson, we've heard so many um, just tidbits here and there over the last year or so where um, Vickerson's trying to help recruit guys that he doesn't really even have any positional ownership over, yeah. like Keontae Goodwin. He's trying to help sure. any way he can. Um, we saw when he took his official visit here, um, Keontae and his trainer from Aspirations Gym, um, he was all Kevin Vickerson was always kind of ushering them around. That was their go-to guy. And um, he's just helping any way he can. He did a great job in the Tunmisi Adelaide yeah. commitment. Um, Miami was really trying to claw back there, and, and, and him and BT Jordan, those guys got that locked down. So recruiting-wise, I would say there will be no concern about whether he can, he can get yeah, things done. Sure. We don't know about some of the other things that Mel Tucker might be looking at, like um, maybe scheming, game day activities, things of that nature. But like you said, 10 years in the NFL, so... If this is the choice, which, again, there, I have no reason to believe it is or it isn't. That this is a very um, tight-lipped process. and um, But I think we are in agreement that this would be a good hire if that is the direction they choose to go. I'll take it. Yeah, you're not yeah. going to see me you know, throwing stuff across the room in anger. Like that's, <laughs> that plays with me, and I think it plays a lot of MSU fans and yeah. a lot of MSU players. I mean, the, the, the most important people in this equation. Yeah, I agree. So uh, that was the second thing. That was also from, from Jack Ebling's interview there. And um, another thing that that Jack talked about, or that Mel talked about with Jack, was the quarterback battle. And um, I have the quote right here from Mel, where obviously Jack asked him what what is going to be the landscape of that battle. And Mel said, uh, "What he's looking for in a quarterback is quote consistency and performance and competing like crazy." Okay. That job, like every other spot on the team, is fully open, open competition. There are certain things that we need our quarterbacks to be able to do mentally and physically on a consistent basis, and we need to know what we're going to get from them. We'll know a lot coming out of spring ball, but we won't know the full story until the summer and fall camp. So seems like a drawn-out process is to be expected, but an open one. What do you think, Matt? Wide open. I'm going to be honest. Like, how long ago did the season end? I, I still don't have a concrete thought on what I think about the quarterback room. Yeah. I mean, it has to be an open competition. I know that, you know, there's some people that are like, uh, absolutely not Thorne. Like, no, it has to be Kaden Hauser. Like, look, Kaden Hauser, I, I think the world of him. He's got the physical tools. Uh, he's got the tape from high school out there. But, like, we didn't see a lot of him this season. And when we did see him, it was very late in games. And also, there's the camp. It's like, well, it's got to be Peyton Thorne. Everything wasn't his fault. Like, no, we're going to see here, and I really do trust that this is an open competition. How many times have we seen this already in Mel Tucker's uh, short time here at Michigan State where, okay, a starter, oh, 
well, not the starter next year because he got beat out in spring and fall ball. So, yeah, I think it is going to be a legitimate battle. This isn't just lip service where no, you're saying it's going to be a battle and then, well, really, okay, it's going to be 10 the entire time. Like, <laughs> no. So, But it's one of two things. Like, if Hayden Thorne does come out of this with a starting job, then, okay, that, that means that he won fair and square and that maybe that. And, and to me, that would mean that he got significantly better. I think that's yeah. kind of the only way that, that he wins the job. But continue. I'm sorry, by the way. Noah Kim as well. Let's uh, excuse me for forgetting right. him. That I, I mean, now that I just went the first two minutes that I mentioned his name, <laughs> I just jinxed that into him winning the starting <laughs> role. So congratulations. Uh, but, but no, really, like the, whoever wins it is just going to be the, the clear cut winner. I don't know what else to say other than that because if you know Thorne does win it, it's not going to be because the coaches are stubborn. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, I think that they want to see a little bit more out of Peyton's Thorne. So it's either he's going to oh, come yeah. into spring ball, show some more, or the guys behind him aren't going to be taking that step that everyone expects them to make. Now, with that said, if it's Hauser, mm. oh, well, he won that fair and square. We got reason to be excited here in East Lansing. So we'll yeah. see what shakes out. I'm sure we're not going to get an answer until fall camp at the you earliest. Won't, you won't get an answer until he, the starting quarterback is taking snaps from Nick Samak 90 minutes before the home opener. I guarantee you yeah, that much. Even then. Yeah. Even, even the, it, 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 it might take four drives against Central for me to be like, okay, I'm convinced <laughs> that. Like, All right. <laughs> the fourth time seeing Payton out there, like, okay, he, he won the job. All right. I got it. So, so yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with what you said. Um, whoever wins this battle will... I don't want to say it would be a positive for Michigan State because either it would say that Peyton Thorne got better or the future is very bright with Peyton Hauser, yeah. but that is kind of my initial my initial impression of it right now. Um, personally, I, I, maybe I shouldn't say this because I haven't seen every single practice rep. I haven't seen everything the coaches see in terms of how the quarterbacks process the picture, process blitzes, set yeah. projections. Right. But based on tools and based on the longevity of the program, based on a lot of factors of that nature personally i would think that with what we've seen from katen hauser's arm talent what i've heard about his ability to process information that allows me to project that he's doing well in those areas i mentioned and the fact that he would be able to start for three years yeah yeah i would say that it's better for the program if katen hauser wins the job i don't think that's out of place to say i'm not saying i'm rooting for one guy over the other Ideally, you want a redshirt freshman to be able to win a job over an experienced veteran because of what that tells you about the future arc of right. the program. So, personally, I think that would be best for the program. But uh, may the best man win. I, I know. I, you know, this is going to be the worst thing that us, uh, you know, table sitters in front of a microphone can do because we're supposed to pound the table, and be like, <laughs> "This is definitive. This is what's going to happen <laughs> ten months from now." But I'm sorry, like we just got to wait ten months to see right. what unfolds. In the middle of October might be when to finally react to. Hey, did everything go right here in the quarterback battle? Which I know is boring, but got to be boring yeah. sometimes. I agree. I think that's a that's a All good right. way to to put a bow on that. But again, a great topic here that um, that Jack got out of Mel. But it's uh, Tucker and Izzo's relationship, and um, it's beautiful. Oh, and I think you can put the the picture up there from uh, the post Michigan game. Yep, there it is. Um, that was Coach Izzo getting ready to do an interview with um, Gus Johnson, I believe, right after the game. Sure. And uh, Mal Tucker came over there and, and gave him a, a back massage there, and he, he had a smile on his face the entire time. Izzo mostly just looked very relieved to to win that rivalry game and had a, had a load on his shoulders, it seemed. But um, that picture right there is a microcosm of the relationship these two have. Yeah. They are genuinely happy for one another's success. Um, I will read um, Mel's quote here real quick and, and turn it over to you, Matt. But 
Um, this is what Mel said when he was asked by Jack what he thought about Coach Izzo saying that win was for Mel. Context behind that quote, Izzo was saying that win was for Mel because he's a defensive-minded coach, and it was a defensive win. Not whatever Twitter tried to make it out to be. But I digress. Here is the quote. Coach Izzo and I don't talk every day, but we text quite a bit. I'm always pulling for him, and he's always pulling for me. We both know what the rivalry is all about. It's not just football. It's all sports. When we win, we all win. But that that means a lot to me, for him to say that. Like, have you ever heard that before? He went on to say, When I see Tom, I light up. The player, His players come up to me like they know me. And it's been like that for years here, ever since I was a GA. This is not a new thing, but Coach Izzo made it a point to help me. What do you feel when you see that, Matt? Two things. One is uh, I Please like... Please take a shot at Kentucky and Mark Stoops and John Calipari. I, like, how, what, what else could I add to that drama down there? Like, just two guys that... They, they hate each other more than Michigan's athletic director and their head football coach. Like, that, that, those are two rivalries that are neck and neck with each other. No, it, it's two things that, that jump out of me when I read that quote. And the first and foremost is the part where it says, And it's been like that for years when I was a G.A. Oh, my God, Izzo's been here for a long time. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Mel Tucker, of course, uh, graduate assistant at Michigan State, 1997, yeah. 1998. And maybe you've seen the picture, maybe you haven't, but Mel, bring the mustache back first and foremost. <laughs> like, But, man, Izzo's been doing this for a very long time. But it also parlays into point number two. It's just like how fortunate Michigan State is to have him yeah. in just the university. I was going to say the basketball program, the select department. How about just the whole overarching university? Like, you, yeah. Izzo is one of one. Like, there will never be another Izzo after his time at State is done. Like, he is just mm-hmm. the figure that you want because, yeah, he's supportive. Well, okay, first and foremost, great basketball coach. You balloon that further. Okay, he has the family aspect in his own program. You bring that out even further. The select department, he makes it a whole family. He shows up to a lot of practices, a lot of games, keeps the relationships with coaches tight-knit. And then just from a university, too, I mean, God, how, how many times have you seen him just be, so to speak, the the figure of the university? Yeah. I mean, so yeah, no, Izzo's the man. I mean, look, I, I know that we all have opinions. Yeah, he should have double teamed Edie at the end of the game, but love that guy. Love, yeah. always will too. Love you, Tom. I know you're watching, Tom. Love you, man. <laughs> if Tom's Never watching this, show. Never misses a show. Season's a big trouble if he's watching <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah. Well. Oh well. Oh well. But yeah, no, like that. That's that's really. God, just great quotes. Once again, Jack Evelyn just extracting all that juice out of the yeah. orange. Shout out to Jack Evelyn. Jack Evelyn. What an So, icon. Matt, last week, I failed in this segment. Hmm. This week, I'm hoping to redeem myself. Hmm. Tell us about the two facts and the one that is whack. Two are facts. One is whack, Justin. That's right. We just got one round today. That's right. And we're going to circle back to the basketball court. And not just the basketball court. We're also going to zoom back into one player, and that's going to be Tyson Walker. Okay, I'm going to name three stats right here. Two of them are true. One of them is not true whatsoever. Stat number one, Mr. Justin Thind. That was Tyson Walker's fourth career 30-plus point game. Mm. Okay, that's stat number one. That was his fourth career 30-plus point game. Stat number two. He already has more 20-plus point games this season than he did all of last season. Okay, stat number two. He already has this year more 20-plus point games this season than he did all of last year. Stat number three, Justin, in the year of our Lord, 2023, Tyson Walker is shooting 42% from three. That's right. So since January 1, 2003, 2003, 2023 Mm. rolled around, Tyson Walker shooting a pure 42% from behind the arc. What are facts? 
what is whack? I'm going to say the last one is true because I believe he is shooting over 40%. And I do not think you would try to stump me by saying 42 when it's really 43 or 44. Mm, that'd be mean. Yeah, it doesn't seem, like, really it doesn't seem like something that'd you do. That'd be very mean. So that one, based on that deductive reasoning, is why I'm saying is it's definitely true. Now, if I get this wrong between these two options, I'll feel especially bad because okay. I remember in depth going through every single game log that Tyson Walker had at Northeastern prior to him even committing to Michigan State. When I heard that he was entering the portal, I dove into him. And I've got to say, I don't remember three prior 30-point games at Northeastern. Mm. I recall a 27-point game. I recall a 30-point game. There might have been another 30-point game in there, but three of them? Um... I'm going to say that's the one that's whack, Matt. Would it be mean if he's actually shooting 52% oh. from three? <laughs> no, it was not off by one or two percentages, but a full 10%. He's above 50% in the five games that Michigan State has played so far in January. So that was a tough one. I'm not going to lie. That, that was a tough one. We're splitting hairs over stats. But, yeah, he had three 30-plus point games at Northeastern. And then, yes, he has four games this season with 20-plus points. They're against Purdue, obviously, on Monday. Nebraska. Alabama and Villanova as well. Last year, he had two such games with more than 20 points. So uh, now that he, now that we just did the segment, Tyson Walker, one of eight from three tomorrow. Uh, just <laughs> jinx that to oblivion. But hey, if not for nothing, those five games in January so far, mm. shoot the lights out from beyond the arc. Mm. The lights oh, out. I'm 0 for 2 now in this in this segment. So if anyone... I feel bad any, about that one. If anyone thought that, that this bad. was staged or set up, no, 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 let no, this, no, let no, this no, confirm no. that is not the case. <laughs> not at all. Um, <laughs> so I will bounce back next week to yeah. ideally 1 and 2. You got this. But you we, got will, this. we will see. Yeah, Matt, the next recurring segment which we introduced last week. Let's give some flowers out. Give them their flowers. That's right. Hey, let's give people the flowers while they can still enjoy it. And, you know, we're going to scroll back the clock here. And this was inspired from our conversation after we recorded last weekend with producer Alex. We're talking point guards. And a big-time point guard in the Tom Izzo era who still doesn't get enough flowers is Kalen Lucas. That's right. This is this might be more of my time. This might be more of my era here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else can you say about Kalen Lucas other than that he is a Spartan dog through and through? Graduated top five in scoring, sixth in assists, eighth in three pointers made at Michigan State. A member of the 1500 points and 500 assist club. Two-time first team All Big Ten, second team All Big Ten, 2009 All Final Four team. That's right. Final fours in Detroit. Right in his backyard. Oh, we're just playing against uh, UConn. You know, little number one seed UConn. Drops 21 points on their head to get to the national title game. And, of course, we all know what happened in 2010. Yes, they made the Final Four, but he went down in the first weekend against Maryland with that leg injury. And I feel like that's a shame. That's how things ended for Kalen Lucas. Yes, he came back next year, but, you know, really wasn't the true Kalen Lucas. We were all here to believe. And I feel like when Kalen Lucas is brought up, it's always like, oh, that's just the greatest what ifs is if they would have won the national title. And I feel bad that that's where the conversation always go to because he was just an incredible player. And to bring it back to our conversation we had last week, you know, Alex asked us about, hey, Jeremy Fears, what kind of point guard is he like? I think this is something incredibly interesting with Tom Izzo and his tenure at Michigan State is that Michigan State has been point guard you 
Like, it, it, you really have to struggle to find the years where Michigan State didn't have a great point guard. But all these guys are different in their own way. Like, Halo mm-hmm. Lucas was not like anyone else. Cassius Winston, not like anyone else. Drew Neitzel, not like anyone else. But Team Cleaves, you know, you know what I'm doing yeah. here. But he was just uniquely his own, and Kalen Lucas was just Kalen Lucas, and he got stuff done. So, hey, give him their flowers. Kalen Lucas, God, just love watching him play. I miss watching him play, man. He was a, a baller in East Lansing. So, there you have it. Love to hear it. True Spartan Dog. And uh, dog. shout out to him. Shout out to him dog. for this week's. Flowers of the week, the second ever Flowers of the Week recipient. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, Matt, we have um, some other topics to get to around football, and we'll kind of just touch on those. They're just relevant to the sport, relevant in in some cases even to Michigan State by extension. And and one of those such topics, uh, Jim Harbaugh returning to Michigan. He is um, obviously coming off of two college football playoff appearances. Yep. His alma mater looks to be in, in a pretty pretty solid spot for the near future here, but somehow, someway, the NFL itch continued to, to be there for him. Yeah. So he explored those opportunities, found out that he most likely wasn't going to be getting an offer, and um, is coming back to Michigan, so he'll be back. Last week we joked around, we, we trolled a little bit, but this this time around I want to just talk about like what this means from a recruiting standpoint. And I think personally, if you're a Michigan State fan, you know what you're getting from Michigan on the field yeah. in 2023. Yeah. It'll be a lot of what 2022 and 2021 was. Yep. Recruiting, however, Michigan is not doing as well as they should. I think their fans will admit that to you. I don't think that's a, a take where we're just trying to poke the bear. They, after a college football playoff appearance, did not sign as many four stars as they should have. I don't know what the least recent ranking update um, yielded, but I believe on signing day it was nine to nine between Michigan and Michigan State in terms of four star commits. That shouldn't happen if you're Michigan coming off of a college football playoff appearance and your rival is coming off of a five and seven season. In 2024, this, this recruiting class that's happening right now, Matt, I don't expect that to change too much. I do think if Michigan puts a big buyout in front of Jim Harbaugh, I think that'll yeah. move the needle up a little bit in terms of people believing that he's going to stay. But I think at the end of the day, that that recruiting operation, it is what it is. They're going to get you solid guys. But it's not the guys that were getting in 2017, 2018, 2019 that are now getting them to the playoff. This yields me to my observation that after this upcoming season, with the recruiting having fallen off the way that it did. And they do a good job in the portal now, but a lot of those guys are grant transfers. I think there's a big chance that there's a drop-off after this upcoming season for Michigan. Yeah, we'll see. And, you know, winning you know, does solve everything. And if they this do load it with that massive buyout and just say, hey, he's actually going to be here, surely this won't happen a third time or a fourth time where he's <laughs> just begging and pleading for NFL interviews. But, no, like if you can get longevity out of your head coach, you know, okay, that's good for recruiting. Or I know, like, their assistant coaches aren't good standing, especially the offensive coordinator. Like, yep. you know, he's going to be there for a long time. Nothing going on there whatsoever. Kids are probably flocking to play for him. So, yeah, like, just stability in the program, or really the whole athletic department as a whole is what you want. And that's what Michigan has. I mean, at least according to their athletic director, who, um, oh, no, I just, hold on. What's he's been kidnapped and he's living in a bunker in Afghanistan somewhere. That's a poor guy. haven't heard from him for months ever since he just <laughs> got in front of the podium. Like, oh, like, how dare, oh, they should be punished to the full extent. So. I haven't heard from him since somebody, somebody crashed his car. If, if we're really going back. Maybe he's trying to buff that dent out. 
maybe that's it. He took some time to step in front of the podium in October and then uh, said, okay, back to my car. Uh, no one else bothered me with literally anything else going on right now. But, yeah, again, stability mm-hmm. is what you want in your football program, your athletics program. And they got that over there in Ann Arbor. So, good for them. Yeah. Jealous. But- yeah, so I guess we'll see. I think, uh, personally, Jim Harbaugh will probably make one final attempt after this upcoming season sure. that I project to go very well for them. Yeah. Um, I think he's turning 60 soon, um, or maybe he just turned 60, or he's turning 60 next year, but sure. he's not doesn't have a long NFL window in front of him. And at the end of the day, I think um, either Michigan is going to do very well, and Jim Harbaugh is finally going to get his NFL job, and, and then we'll see what happens there. Or... Jim doesn't get that job. They still do well in 2023 regardless. That's not a wild card here. No. But he stays. They pay him handsomely. Buyout's huge. But the results aren't there because of that dip in recruiting the last three years. And then yeah. it might not be, be so so positive and flowers and things of that nature. It'll there, be fascinating. So. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Fascinating with a capital F. No doubt about yep. that. we got to wait a few years, though, to see if this yeah. experiment is really going to come to fruition. But, man, that's... Interesting, right? Interesting. For sure. Can I For say sure. something really quick too? And like, this is about. I'm going to make this about MSU, and say what you will about like the MSU media contingent. I don't have a problem with them. I I, I actually enjoy the MSU media contingent, and I know that they're polarizing. Some think that oh, they're slanted. They're always out to get MSU. Like, no, they're just doing their jobs. But say what you will about them. At least they talk to us like adults. You know, I mean, we're getting the whole spin zone from the Michigan side of things, being like, oh, he's coming back to Michigan. Because he loves it here. Justin, that's right. Which, okay, you could do that whole sauna dance last year. Fool me once. Okay, shame on you. You know, you can con me into, hey, yeah, he was offered the Vikings job, but he came back. We're we're doing this for the second year in a row now where he's actively looking for NFL interviews. And now he's coming back because, uh uh-oh, after that two-hour Zoom call, they didn't really want to talk to me anymore. But, yeah, hey, here I come skipping back. Yeah, you know, I love it here. Oh, it's great. And now everyone on their media side is like, oh, Jim believes in this program. He loves it here despite, you know, he doesn't even have his 80s phone number anymore. Uh, yeah, so, like, at least we're talked to like adults and, and not like cult members. I mean, so we got that going for us at least. And, and, and you know why that works? It's because there's well, I got actually, a few ideas why. There's yeah. actually a large contingent of the fan base that thinks that he was begging for the NFL jobs simply because he wanted leverage in his contract situation. Uh, and it worked. I, Santa negotiated against air. Let me tell you, Matt. Air, let, yeah. let, let me tell you, Matt. You know what is good leverage in a contract negotiation? Hmm. The two playoffs you already went to. That's all the leverage I would you hope need. So. That's all the leverage I would, you I would need. hope so. Like, yeah. And, 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 and if you want to scare people into giving more NIL, point to your recruiting rankings. You're, yeah. You say, hey, right. these are the two classes we signed. They're not level um, of college football playoff of, uh, of, of that echelon sure. of teams. That's your, that's your leverage. Yeah. You don't essentially go – all he didn't do was basically stand outside of the Carolina Stadium with a cardboard sign saying – Please give me work. We'll do jobs for free. <laughs> that, yeah. That, <laughs> so I, it's there's a large contingent of the fan base that believes the reason he came back is because he never had interest in the NFL two years in a row. This doesn't mean anything. Oh, yeah, it sure. was all contract yeah. leverage, NIL leverage, assistant money leverage, and because there's a lot of people that believe that. They were able to spin zone that from the media standpoint, and that's why that works. It's got to so. be so easy being just like a, a blogger for them, right? <laughs> you can just literally write anything, and everyone believes it. Anything. God, that must be awesome. 
Very anyway, Very the jealous. league that Jim Harbaugh was trying to get into. Ah, that, that's a segue right there. Yes. Look, at, look at you. The, at you? <laughs> the NFL divisional round starts this weekend. Yeah. And uh, you see the graphic up there, the Bengals and the Bills, the Jags and the Chiefs, the Cowboys and the 49ers, and the Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Man. a lot of good football, a lot of good quarterback talent. Bangers. You see, yep. as I rep here today, this Jalen Hurts graphic tee, my allegiances are not a secret. Been an Eagles fan since the beginning. Look at you. So congratulations. Uh, actually. A lot of, yeah. lot, it's uh, this time of the year, Matt. It's not as fun as, as you would think. It's a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety that okay. disappointment might be afoot. But you, I'll accept that spin the, zone. The, the, okay, I like that. The actually, the I like that. That's good. We'll probably take it. That's but good. <laughs> what do you? What are you looking forward to this weekend, Matt? It, yes, yeah, all of it. Like th- those games are four bangers worth of games. Um, I'm looking forward to knocking on every door in my neighborhood and begging and pleading every single neighbor to put their 401k, their life savings, any endowment that they have on the Bills minus four and a half. I think that the Bills are going to bounce back. I think some weird things happened last week. Two things happened very quickly. They started to play with their food after they were up 17-0. They're like, this is a cakewalk. This is easy. Let's try some funky things. And then, oh, my God, it got so close so quick. So we're playing with our food, and now it just that quick was like, oh, my God, we're, we're on the cusp of, like, a historic playoff <laughs> upset right now. Oh, my God. And there was some panic in there. Get a week. You get to straighten up. And now you get to play a team like the Bengals where you know you can't play with that food. You know you got to be laser sharp for that game. And also, too, the Bengals' offensive line is is just not there anymore. Like they they have two starters left. So yeah, I think that um, that's going to help. And I think a lot of people are just forgetting that the Bengals kind of really got lucky last week against Baltimore as well. So no, I think Buffalo is yeah. going to take care of business in this bounce back. So it's not a betting segment, but if you want a bet to fade, I'm going Bills <laughs> minus four and a half. So congratulations on your winnings if you take plus four and a half bangles because there's no way this hits now yeah i, I didn't prepare for this to become a betting segment Here we but are. the degenerate are. that i am Here i'm we are. ready to hop in <laughs> let's so ride so i would say the empty the 401k the roth ira your cash management account oh yeah the sure. money under your mattress yeah put it all on dallas goddard anytime touchdown and um yeah. you'll be you'll be living good write that down. i think um one thing that the eagles have made clear is that even though they have aj brown and they have Devonte smith they do like to work from inside out in order to create the bubble screens in order to attack the edges. Dallas Goddard's one of the best tight ends in the NFL. I would argue the third best tight end in the NFL, especially because of what he does in the blocking game sure. that guys like Dawson Knox and Mark Andrews do not. So I, like this. I think with the linebackers that the Giants have and how they're going to key in on AJ and Devontae, I think you're going to get a red zone target from uh, Hurts to Goddard, and I like that bet. But I love that. Just uh, exciting times. A lot of good talent out there on the field. Um, excited to see the Cowboys 49ers game. Brock Purdy in the first half of that game did not have good footwork whatsoever. He was climbing, um, or he, he was neglecting to climb the pocket when there was some pressure. When there was pressure and tried to roll out of the back, yeah. that's not going to work against Micah Parsons. Maybe not. So <laughs> maybe, maybe not. there's a Micah Parsons two plus sack bet out there. I don't know the value oh. on that, but. Some just some things popping into my head that won't work. This is fun. This isn't a Benny segment. This is financial <laughs> advice. This is this is incredible. Look at that. I my expect God. to be employed by Morgan Stanley tomorrow. That's incredible. And incredible. yeah, it's just a lot of a lot of good a lot of good football. That um, I think when you look at the NFL and you see the talent at quarterback, it just makes so many games exhilarating. Like you don't Non-talent really care. Too. Yeah, like you don't really care if like. 
the defense that in one team is boring or another team like Daniel Jones, you're like, yeah, whatever. But like you get to see Jalen Hurts in that game. Yep. In another game, you get to see Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. You yep. see Pat Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence. Like you just it's it's great football all around. It's something like what, like Patrick Mahomes is the oldest quarterback in the playoffs still and he's twenty nine years old. Like I, I'm so excited to just watch the new guard play. This good weekend. Hands. Like, I'm thrilled to see Brady out. I'm thrilled to see Rogers was never yeah. even in it. Like yeah. I, okay, like that it was a fun chapter they had in NFL history, like Let's move it along. Now here. they can go spend time with their families, respectively. Yeah, both of them. Big into that. Yeah. All right. Maybe they'll vacation together with everyone. <laughs> Maybe. Probably not. I think that about does it for the plan segments, Matt. We're gonna turn it over to our producer Owen, so yeah. he can he can give us his Owen's 360. There he is, live from East Lansing, putting in all the work. I, How you doing, Owen? I am. I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good. Peachy. Good. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, Michigan State hockey, you, you touched on it. Jagger Joshua had the three goals. It was a weekend that was badly needed. After a stretch of games that Michigan State probably should have won, but they dropped all of them. This is a team that is competing to get into the tournament and try to get to that Frozen Four for the first time in what seems like forever. Um, and it's first, it's the first season for Adam Nightingale, but. <clears throat> Number five, Penn State falls in overtime for that first game. Dylan St. Cyr, he's been fantastic all season long. He had 42 saves. Michigan State had three unanswered goals. Eric Mindendorf and Jagger Joshua in that third period both scored, and then Cole Krieger wrapped it up in overtime. And then I just want to correct you, Matt, on something. I'm sorry. They have some weird rules. Technically, Michigan State tied Penn State in overtime 4-4. man. But they get an extra point because they won in the shootout. So, it's technically it goes in the book as a tie, but it was a really fun atmosphere. Another sellout at Mon Ice Arena. Dylan St. Thierry had 35 saves. Jagger Joshua had the hat track. Miroslav Muka had another goal. And Carson Dorwart had two assists. And then Tanner Kelly, Dorwart. And Daniel Russell all scored in that shootout. MSU is currently ranked at 15, so they're right on that bubble of getting into the tournament. So that's going to be something to watch out for down the stretch. It's been a long time since Mon Ice Arena has seen meaningful hockey, so that's really exciting. I also want to say something real quick. Um, at the Izzo show tonight, Izzo did a brilliant job of touching on it, and I wanted to touch mm. on it as well. Yeah. On Friday, Michigan State and Michigan had a duel in wrestling. 4,900 fans were there in attendance. Wow. Wow. He, he talked about being here for the resurgence after COVID and everything like that. You see it at Mon Ice Arena with the sellouts. You see it with those record crowds at Jensen Fieldhouse. Michigan State is back with their fandom and their sports are growing and getting better as well. Go out and support their their teams, whether it's softball, baseball, wrestling, gymnastics. Every team is getting better on campus. You can see it, and it, it's a fun time to be a Michigan State fan. It's it was it was so even though Michigan State did lose to Michigan, it was so much fun. You had Alan Heller in the building, the soccer coach, the baseball coach, tons of football players. Everyone was out to support. Michigan State in that one and then hockey every weekend whether it's Tucker is there Izzo's there everyone's out there to try and support the hockey team so you should do the same as well 
So just go out and make sure that you guys are supporting because Michigan State is on that verge of making it to the tournament this season, which is super exciting. Look at Phenomenal that. update, Owen. Owen Phenomenal. always delivers. All always. encompassing and always. motivational to the fan base and great stuff, Owen. And for those that don't know, Owen is at the forefront of a lot of these events. He For Big oh, Ten yeah. Network, he covers a lot of these games. And it's just uh, nobody really would know these things better than Owen in this regard. So appreciate you, Owen. Appreciate the updates and all the producing you've done today and, and the whole time. You're the best, Owen. You're the best. Love you guys. Love you more. I mean that. We got Owen over here um closing out the segment in in great fashion and all-encompassing fashion do we have anything else we want to add matt i, I got a lot out of me there you know probably even more than i should have but now I'll, I'll still be at this desk though for until next until week. next so week if you have anything to say or ask I just swing on by i'll be here sounds good yeah sounds good Throw me hot and ready i wouldn't mind that all this preparation but you didn't know that overtime losses really are just overtime and then there's no otl it's so, just it's it a bad look that was a bad, bad look. look yeah so that was tough yeah. That was tough. But hey, we will prevail. <laughs> we will learn. And we will grow. Maybe. Probably not. Probably yeah. Not. We'll Growing see. days are over. We'll see. We'll see. We'll All see. right. That does it for this week's episode so. yeah. of the SD4L show. That's Matt Sheehan. I'm Justin Thin. And we'll catch you guys next week. Close your eyes, turn around, and count to nine. When you open them, I will be gone. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply.